May all beings be healthy. May all beings be free from harm. May all beings love life. May all beings awaken. Welcome to another Cuke Audio Podcast. I'm D.C. Pubov Cuke Audio and Cuke Archives, preserving the legacy of Shunju Suzuki and those whose paths cross his and anything else that comes to mind. I pray that you and yours are safe and comfortable, free from economic hardship, and able to get out and do whatever it is you want within the limitations of the universal precept of do as little harm as possible. So today we have a guest, Larry Scheinberg. Lawrence Scheinberg, do you? And uh, <laughs> and um, uh, Larry is the author of the wonderful Ambivalent Zen, and uh, some other books that uh, we will uh, talk about in here. And um, the recent Four Men Shaking, Searching for Sanity with Samuel Beckett, Norman Mailer, and my perfect Zen teacher, uh, which uh, Shambhala brought out. It is um, an account of his experience in his life with... uh, with three men, he's the fourth, Norman Mailer, Samuel Beckett, and his teacher, Kudo. And um, uh, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Anyway, I, I say that here, so I'm just repeating myself. Anyway, um, and he's written a lot of uh, articles and stuff, and he's been a serious Zen practitioner. You can uh, check him out at Lawrence Scheinberg.com. That's L A W R E N C E S H A I N B E R G.com. We did a whole talk that was recorded for a podcast. And then uh, when I uh, uh, when I looked at it, uh, his track was empty. So, uh, but he was very good-natured about it. Uh, He didn't care. Let's talk again. So I said, well, I'm going to read this book of yours, Four Men Shaking Verse, and I'm a slow reader, and I just read it out loud to Katrinka while she made dinner. It's not a long book, but there were also other things happening, and we had a house guest, and uh, so uh, eventually I got through it and called him back, and, you know, it was really like, it wasn't quite like talking for the first time because we knew each other now from more than a few emails and uh, me having read his book. And, uh, you know, I couldn't remember anything we'd said before, and I don't think he could. So it was just, was fine. It was great. No problem. I did remember a few things from it, actually, uh, that I brought up. So um, anyway... Uh, it's really enjoyable talking to him, and uh, I look forward to may- maybe talking to him more in the future about other things, maybe getting him to read some of the stuff he's written outside of his books, but we'll see, because I've got a, 
I've got a lot in mind to do. And right now I'm only doing one podcast a week. Uh, while I'm on this so-called writing retreat uh, that I've already explained before, you know, I'm trying to finish uh, Tassara's stories, put it together, uh, and get it out the door so I can forget about it. Um, hmm. Okay, so uh, look, let's just give Larry a call and uh, see what he has to say. So look, after we've had our pause to meditate, that is. So when you hear the bell, hit pause if you're of such a mind and uh, we'll meditate or whatever for as long as you want. And when you're through, hit unpause and we'll be here to hit the bell to end the meditation or whatever and uh, then we'll let Larry Scheinberg take it over. Hi, David. Hi there. Very good. Very good. Yeah. We are finally back together again. <laughs> yeah. Just that terrible separation anxiety. <laughs> uh, so um, uh, I wanted to wait till uh, I finished uh, reading uh, your uh, latest book, Four Men Shaking. Searching for Sanity with Samuel Beckett, Norman Mailer, and my perfect Zen teacher. And um, uh, one thing uh, that people don't realize when they want me to read something is I read very slowly. And uh, except when I'm on my computer working, you know, I read all the time for work and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, constantly. Uh, I just read to my wife while she makes dinner. So it took a little time. But we loved it. It was really good. Um, oh, good. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's it's uh, about you and your uh, Zen teacher, Kudo. Is it Nakagawa? Yeah, Kudo Nakagawa. Right. Uh, I only saw that once, uh, his, his family name. And uh, and uh, Norman Mailer and Samuel Beckett, uh, and uh, that was great. It's unique. Would you like to say anything uh, about that book? I mean, I can say things about it. I I dug it. Uh, I thought. Well, well, anyway, you should say something. Well, I I don't know. I think it's just a story. In in retrospect, uh, looking at it, just a story of. Uh, amazing good luck of my life you know it's just uh like winning the lottery three times with those guys uh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, how i came how i got to know beckett was a miracle of, of great luck as as was mailer but beckett was even more you know and the parallel uh the way they both of them were so involved with I mean, asking me questions about Zen all the time. 
And uh, as you saw with Mailer, he was more uh, argumentative about it. But um, uh, I made a mistake with Mailer because I let him uh, kind of trap me into arguing about Buddhism. But, um, <laughs> and if, he, if I had insisted on talking about sitting practice, he would, you know, it would have shut him up because obviously the person he'd been writing for 25 for, for 35 years, he knew a lot about sitting meditation, but all he wanted to argue about was Buddhism. Yeah. And um, uh, he was he was very seductive in um, uh, the way, I mean, the way he could take over conversations. Mm. And um, it, it was too much, it was so much fun to argue with him that I would lose the point, you know. Um, <laughs> and- he, he was an, uh, you know, just a, a when I knew Mailer, uh, it was a, the priority in his life was being was friendship. Yeah, he. I mean, he he wasn't self conscious about it, but he was just a person who was devoted to being to his friends, mm. and um, he he was amazingly generous. Of course, Beckett was the same way. They were as two as different as any two people could be. Yeah. But um, they had that in common. Yeah. They were both extremely uh, generous and particularly generous to younger writers. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And that's very interesting. You're the younger writer, and now you just, what, you just... I'm 80. I'm just on my way to 87. I'm older than, I'm older... I'm older than either of them were. Eighty-seven. When they, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they they both died um, at a uh, eighty-five. Mm. Um, so um, and uh, you know they were. So I mean I feel a little bit. Uh, um, I I feel like I want to keep quiet about that for now. <laughs> how old was uh, how old was Kudo when he died? He was eighty. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. That's what I thought. Well, we, Mailer seems to me um, like to ruffle people's feathers, and Beckett was very thoughtful and didn't want to hurt people's feelings. Is that right? Yes, it is. Although um, Mailer, you know, at that point. He had been that way famously most of his life, but uh, as he was aging, I mean, after the during the time I knew him, which was the last ten years of his life, he didn't have that. He wasn't uh, argument. He didn't ruffle feathers like that. You know, he he loved to argue, mm-hmm. but um, but he he was very polite about it, and um, as I said, he. He was very seductive because it was so much fun to be arguing with him, you know. Mm. And he wrote so many books. Oh, my God. Yeah, he never stopped. He never stopped. It was Um, like 30 books or 27 or something or 36. uh, 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 I think it was around 30. Yeah. But uh, I'm not sure. There's a uh, I'd like to there's a wonderful biography of him by a guy named Mike Lennon, who was, you know, a very close friend of his. It's really worth reading because, I mean, Mailer was an American phenomenon, you know. He was so much 
emblematic of uh, that period in American history. And he, you know, he was such a dominant character. Mm. Um, it's really worth reading that book. Um, what did he argue with Gore Vidal about? Oh, that was early. That was way before I knew him. Um, they were, there was something about uh, some, it was on the Dick Cavett show. It was a famous moment where um, I think Vidal had said something about him in print and a bad review of him. I'm getting a lot of interference now. Oh, I think you were just hearing me. Uh, I'm sitting in a rattan chair. I think you were hearing. I, I just put my legs up. I sit with my legs crossed. And it makes it like rattling. That's some noisy legs you got. You had some very noisy legs. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, he, Mailer famously uh, headbutted me, doll, um, on that uh, in. on not on the show, not live, but on the uh, in the waiting room of it. By the time I knew Mailer, he and Vidal were friends again. And mm. Vidal actually came to visit him up here in Provincetown. Mm. Um, so uh, the original argument was just about, about Vidal uh, dismissing his work uh, uh, in print. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah but he you know, he was much less argumentative by the time I knew him he had mellowed a lot mm. and um, he had you know and he he was having a lot of trouble with his legs he couldn't it was hard for him to move around um, amazingly stoical about it but um, you know he was Obviously, a very weakened person. Mm. I remember you saying Mailer was had to walk with two canes. Yeah, he did. Um, he, um, uh, you know, he had serious problems, and he was way overweight. Mm. So um, he, uh, but he, 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 you know, he 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 managed. Um, mm. He managed to get around, and. Um, was living alone up here at the Cape uh, those last couple of years of his life. You know, not taking care of one's, uh, one's body uh, well enough is a problem a lot of intellectuals have. You, however, go swimming. Yeah, I'm a, I'm pretty fanatical swimmer. Yeah, tell us where you go swimming. Well, up here... And uh, at, on the Cape, there are a bunch of uh, freshwater ponds. They're called kettle ponds, and uh, they're glacial. They're glacially originating, and uh, they are fresh water. They feed into the ocean, but uh, the water is—it's uh, just magnificent water for swimming. And um, uh, it's a very—I don't know. I mean, they're. They're just very lucky to be able to do it. Most people like me, we have our own ponds where we're particular one or another. Where I'm addicted, I'm addicted to one. <laughs> but you know, 
there are uh, oh, maybe 40, 40 of them up here. Mm. And, um, um, you know, it's just, it's an ideal swim, ideal swimming environment. Yeah. And, and, um, and what, it, you're by the Cape, is that uh, Massachusetts? Yeah, you know, uh, it, it's it's Provincetown is the easternmost uh, point of the United States. Oh, is that right? And, um, is that yeah. right? Not Maine. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, actually, the 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 easternmost point uh, uh, is is the Provincetown tip. That's where the the Pilgrims landed. And huh. uh, I I live in Truro, which is the next town over from Provincetown. It's you know just about a uh, it's about a fifteen minute drive to Provincetown mm. from here. Mm. But there are there are many. It's a kind of a swimmer's paradise because there's there's very two different bodies of salt water. You can swim in the ocean. You can swim in the bay, or you can swim in these freshwater ponds. Which every, I mean, everybody's got their preference. I'm a, I'm and but what's the temperature? Right, it's just uh, like last week. It just got uh, to the wetsuit temperature. Uh, you need. I mean, it's too cold to swim without a wetsuit. Ah, but um, it's and I was swimming in it in May, so that it's it's a pretty good season. A long time you can swim here. Do you swim with the wetsuit? I've, I have a phobia about them because the the one one time I um, I the, you know I just got it. It's I have a hard time with them. I feel claustrophobic in it. Yeah. So um, by the time that you know when the weather gets this cold, I either I start doing long walks. Or I look for a gym to swim, and there is an indoor pool here too. So, how much chlorine does the indoor pool have? Well, you know, yeah, uh, you know, it's it's chlorinated, uh, but kind of typically. But um, I don't. It's hard. It's hard to go indoors when you've been swimming in these ponds. You know? Yeah. So yeah. Um, but so it's it's really walking weather now. Yeah, um, yeah. And the walks are the walks are. It's gorgeous. It's really just amazingly beautiful here. Mm. Almost as beautiful as it, where you are, I guess. No, no, no. Um, it's probably more beautiful. <laughs> <Don't>, yeah, <laughs> I, we, it's not more beautiful here than other places. Really, it's just yeah. a lot of hype. <laughs> it is. Is that right? <laughs> Uh, um, so, um, you know, uh, it's, it, it's, your path is, is really interesting, uh, because not only, uh, were you very fortunate, uh, to run into your teacher and to run into these two great writers that you had really in-depth relationships with, but you had parents, who were yeah. uh, mm, spiritual seekers or whatever. And I remember from uh, th- uh, your book, uh, the, uh, 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 the, what's, uh, it's not <laughs> accidental, it's uh, uh, ambivalent. Ambivalent Buddhist. 
ambivalent zen. Ambivalent zen, right. I, I know it. Um, I forget every name these days. Oh, I'm sure you understand that. Um, I sure do. <laughs> um, tell, tell me about what it was like growing up with your parents, because I remember you were, you didn't appreciate it at the time as much as you did later. Oh, uh, well, I didn't because I, but I, you know, I was just an incredibly lucky guy, you know, and all, my whole life uh, has been a, a string of good luck. Like, um, that's inexplicable. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm writing about that now, just writing about the, the astonishing good luck that I had. One of them uh, was, you know, I mean, it, taking it in reverse, meeting Beckett and Mailer, of course, and meeting my teacher. But before that, I knew so and Roshi, you know, and yeah. I knew, but, but of all the things, my father was the most, the least likely uh, type of person to get involved with uh, Eastern philosophy, but um, he was teach. He was he was uh, the president of the local synagogue in Memphis, and then a, a Hebrew school teacher. They hired a, a Hebrew school teacher down there who inter- was a was a a scholar, mm-hmm. and he introduced him. First, he introduced him to Spinoza, and from Spinoza, my father had not he didn't even graduate high school, and he started to read avidly, and then he got very involved eventually in psychoanalysis, and then he then he got involved with Krishnamurti and Alan Watts, and um, that was how my path was sort of set up for me, but it was just you know. Uh, Phenomenal luck all around. Mm. Phenomenal. Mm. And you met yeah. Krishnamurti, I remember. Oh, yes, I did. My brother uh, knew him quite well. Oh. Um, there are, well, there are a series of videotapes. There are videos on YouTube where my, with my brother, who was a psychoanalyst. And, oh. you know, the physicist, the physicist David Bohm. Yeah, you know who he was. Yeah, uh, he was also a, a great student of Krishnamurti, and he was a friend of my brother's. Oh, so there were these th- these three way conversations. There are uh, there's a whole series of them on YouTube. Oh, but uh, <clears throat> and my brother uh, he brought Krishnamurti to New York, where he addressed a group of psychoanalysts, mm-hmm. and that's. That was when how I got I got to know Krishnamurti a little bit, but um, in a way I, I kind of argued with him because you know he was opposed. By that time, I was already studying Zen, and Krishnamurti was opposed to any kind of formal practice. Uh-huh. And uh, he was kind of dogmatic. I thought about it. I mean, he was a very, of course, he was a very charismatic. Figure, but he was very dogmatic about that subject, um, and, and so you know he. Uh, but he and my brother there, they were good friends. Hmm. Hmm. So you know, considering this is a a family from Memphis, uh, son, you know, two sons of 
of a businessman in Memphis. And that, that we still found our way along these, uh, these paths. Mm. It's kind of amazing and lucky. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you said you were already into Zen or studying it uh, when you met Krishnamurti. But, but, you know, I usually ask people when when did they first get an inkling uh, that um, uh, about spiritual practice, but you with and and my my past is sort of like yours uh you had it at home when you were growing up well, uh, not really uh, not really i mean uh my father introduced me to um i mean he was involved with it intellectually and you know uh, uh i i wrote about this in ambivalence and he even brought alan watts he sponsored Alan Watts, a talk of he gave in Memphis. And Watts came and stayed in our house. Um, so I did know him, but but I didn't know anything about sitting meditation until I got to, in, in college, there was somebody I met who introduced me to it. Um, but because the, uh, the other was strictly um, intellectual, you know? Yeah, but it's like the first door. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I was, uh, uh, yes, I was. But I, um, you know, it was an uh, Oedipal thing. I think that almost, you know, I was not sympathetic to anything my father was going to uh, introduce me to. <laughs> and, uh, I, and, you know, and then I, uh, but I, and I was in, in college. Um, my first wife, who was a Sarah Lawrence student, she was much more uh, spiritually inclined, but she had a friend, a woman who had been in living in Taiwan and was studied with a woman Zen master. I don't know who it was. And one, she was the one that I said, well, what do you do in Zen? I didn't know anything about Zazen. And she was the one that introduced me to it. Mm. Um, so and I I I was kind of I don't know cynical about it, but then the next day after she had introduced me to it, I went down. You know, I went to my office, I, um, and I I did it. I started sitting, and I've never stopped. And how old were you? At that time, I was um, thirty. And where were you living? In New York. And what was your office about? What was my office? I was, I was writing. I was already, I was writing a book, mm -hmm. writing my first novel. And, um, you know, and I came down, she just showed me how you sit down on, on a cushion and sit, look at the wall. And I did it. And, you know, you know about that. Mm -hmm. I mean, once I did it, I never stopped. That's great. I, I never yeah. That's great. I've never, yeah. Um, well, I'm curious about this. You were, you had an office for writing, you're working on a novel. How are you paying the bills? Well, that's one of the places that I've been lucky. I didn't have to worry about it. You know, I, uh, I, my father 
had, you know, I had inherited some money. Yeah. So I, when I got out of college, I was able to write, I was able to start writing. That's good. And it's really good. You knew what to do with yourself. Uh, well, that, though, that's stretching it some. <laughs> I don't think I knew what to do. I mean, I knew I was compulsively writing, but I didn't, I didn't know anything, you know. That's really okay. Didn't. That's okay. You had, yeah. you had a, you had a purpose. Having, having enough money where you, uh, don't have to work and being sort of, uh, you know, not knowing what to do with yourself is a problem. Well, it did. It, it, as it, it did, it was, it is problematic. Yeah. And I didn't have that external pressure. I had had, I did some journalism for money, but, um, I mean, I did have the money to be able to do that. And, you know, that's a, um, that's a mixed. That's a mixed blessing because it can leave you exposed to a lot of depression. Right. And um, so it and it certainly did me. But um, but anyway, like I said, uh, my life was like a series of lotteries that I won. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and what was your first book? Uh, it was a novel about basketball. One on one, one on one, and um, yeah, I would. I had been a, uh, uh, you know, pretty much addicted to basketball from the time I was very young, and uh, aspired to be a player. But I was never much better than I was mediocre. But uh, then I, I got out. You know, I, and then I, I just, but you know, that's. I was just lucky enough to have that subject, mm-hmm. and um, that was my. And then I did journalism after that for the Times Magazine about basketball, about the New York Knicks, and you know. So, mm. but yeah, basketball was important to me. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, so you were sort of a sports writer. I was. Yes, I was. Um, I had done, um, I guess my first newspaper articles were about uh, a couple of boxing articles. And then um, um, I did the best. I did this book uh, uh, called One on One. And um, at that time, I was again, um, this was a the year the New York Knicks won the last the last time they won the championship, and that uh, the Times was looking for for somebody to travel with them, and um, and that's how and I got and they they were directed to me by another guy, so I got that job and I traveled with them, and um, and I you know that was pretty that was a um, Kind of like for a, for a sports writer at that point, that was like winning the lottery too, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm sort of interested in both your paths here your your Zen path and your writing path. Um, and 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 what what year did one on one come out? Let's see. Um, uh, 
1950. I think it was about 
but they didn't have anything to do with each other. Yeah, but it's it's typical in one way in that and that they uh, tend to stick with what they're doing, not dabble in other things, not you know, not do a lot of uh, ecumenical stuff. They just want to do what they're doing. And, uh, but usually they're friendly with their own, I mean, people, their own Dharma brothers. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I think Kudo, Kudo knew, uh, he knew about Edo, um, you know, his uh, shenanigans with women. Yeah. And uh, he really, he did like, he looked at, he, he really did not like that at all. Yeah. And, you know, Kudo was one teacher who was completely pure in that way. Yeah. He had, he never did, uh, he never had anything to do with, well, Soen Roshi too was like that. Um, I think Soen Roshi may have been celibate his whole life. Mm. Um, and Kudo did get involved with one Japanese woman who was a student at our Zendo. Yeah. And, um, but I, if that, and I, I'm guessing that they had sex, but if they did, that would have been his first time. Uh, uh-huh. well, my, I, I wouldn't want to deprive him of that. <laughs> I know I had no judgment at all. Yeah. But, but, uh, he was a unique character. He was yeah. like nobody else. I can um, definitely see him not approving of Adam. Oh my God! Yes, yeah. But you know, uh, he just—he wasn't. He was also the kind of person who would not be overtly. Uh, he wouldn't talk about it. Yeah, yeah. He, nev- he never. He never said anything to us about Ado, uh, but he just didn't have anything to do with him. Yeah, well, I I think not only the the knowing about his shenanigans, but Ado's personality. I mean, Ado told me he said, uh, "I'm a very arrogant person. Uh, it's just the way I am." And oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> he said. He, he said. said uh, he said Suzuki Roshi was my secret teacher. He said. He said I was just amazed that somebody could be that humble because I can't. <laughs> uh huh. That's beautiful. Isn't that something? Yeah. 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 And well, I, uh, yeah, you know, Edo, I got to know Edo, uh, when, when I, when the, when Daibosatsu was opening, mm-hmm. uh, I did an article, I did an article on the opening for the New York Times magazine. Mm. So, yeah, and Edo showed me around, he showed me every, Every com- every part of the monastery, he, he was very proud of it. He gave me, and he gave me a lot of in- Zen instruction in the process. Mm. Um, he was very, uh, you know, very very patient and kind with me. Mm. And we actually got, I got to, I got to be friends with him. Mm. You know, um, so um, he, he was. Uh, at that point, I had been at Daibosatsu, um, where, um, you know, where I had been there a couple of times and I'd been scared off by those long sittings. <laughs> so I didn't come back. But, uh-huh. but when they, when I, I did go to one weekend session at the New York Zendo. Mm-hmm. And when, and as I was coming in on a Friday night, 
that uh, Ado was coming down the stairs and he saw me and he looked at me and said, at last. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, he was, um, yeah. You, but, you, you, um, in uh, Four Men Shaking, you tell uh, about something you heard him say in a talk that really impressed you. Do you remember what that yeah. was? He was talking about the first of the four vows. We vow to save all sentient beings. Yeah. And he said, he said, that sounds very, uh, you know, um, grandiose to save all sentient beings. But what does it mean when Zen practice, what do we mean when we say to save a sentient being? It means to accept them as they are. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was very, very, uh, well, profound as to me, I think to any, it was a a kind of a risk. Yeah, you know it's it's never stopped help, uh, being um, important to me. You know, yeah, that's what um, you know. The word love, the way it's used in the in the Bible, well, in the New Testament, love thy neighbor and uh, uh, everything. That's what it means. It means to accept them, to respect them. It doesn't oh. mean to have some emotional feeling toward them. Yes, well. But this was this was beautiful. That's beautiful in itself. But this was a revelation to me. Yeah. Um, but can I tell you an amazing story? I'm I'm here for the, you. Uh, the, <laughs> I was, uh, uh, you know, after Kudo Roshi died, I didn't have a teacher for a while. For a good while, I've forgotten how long. But um, I I had uh, one night. I had a dream. I don't remember the dream, but I remember uh, telling my wife about it at breakfast that the next morning. And my, my wife was a Tibetan Buddhist student. Mm. And uh, she listened. She said to me, uh, after um, I told her about this dream, I, I wish I could remember the dream, but I, but anyway, I, uh, she said, it sounds to me, like you're ready for you're ready for a teacher again, mm. and and my immediate thought was Edo, that I had all I would if I was going to have a Zen another Zen teacher it would be Edo, and I was going to ask Edo if if he would be if I could study with him, and I I knew I knew Edo's assist one of his. Uh, one of his jisha, uh, and I was going to call him that evening to ask him if he would make get me an appointment with Edo. That I that afternoon I found out that Edo had died the night before when I was here the night I had the dream. Wow! Well, he died in Japan. Yeah. Was he even planning to come back to America? Oh, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Um, you know, he was, his wife was back here. He had that apartment. Oh, on, oh. Uh, and yeah, was he and, still teaching? Just uh, he, he, he was, but they would not allow him to go, to, you know, on 
to Daibosatsu or to the New York Zendo, the the, the he, board of trustees, you know, the board of directors had he was because there had been all these lawsuits threatened about him. Yeah. So he was kind of persona non grata, but they had a an independent group called the Rinzai Zen the Rinzai Zen group, I forgot. And they they were they had independent sittings and indep- even you know all all one day sittings at different places, but not there, not at the Zendo. Yeah. But anyway, and so I was I really was gonna try to study with him. And he had died the night I had that dream. Wow. That's really interesting. Isn't it's, it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, he certainly is the most extreme case of being a, 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 you know, sexual predator or whatever. I mean, he was just out of control, and and he did a lot of really unethical things. It it cannot be compared. Other teachers I've seen get a bad reputation for rather minor, uh, uh, you know, sexual uh, or romantic... uh, um, uh, escapades, uh, or whatever. Yeah. But, um, he's like the Harvey Weinstein of Zen in America. He, he really was. <laughs> he just, he could not stop himself. No, he uh, couldn't. Uh, he, yeah. He, yeah. Well, anyway, very interesting. Very interesting. Um, so, uh, remind me, uh, so in in terms of your Zen path, you start you, you first sat at, at Zen studies. And yes. then what? Uh I I studied uh and then I oh uh I then I I was at ZCNY. I studied with Glassman. CCNY uh Z, Z, Zen community of New York. Z-C-N-Y. Oh, ZCNY. Oh, yeah. Well, with Bernie Glassman. Oh, yeah. let's hear about that. He was a trip. Oh, he was. I was. He was also important, very important to me. But I, uh, and then after I, I met Kudo, I, that's when I left Glassman. But I had become impatient with Glassman. I mean, he was too distracted. The whole situation there became very distracting it, uh, but, you, can you, you got any details there well glassman was the kind of person who as soon he was like an entrepreneur and as soon as he he got wonderful ideas and as soon as something started to work he would be looking somewhere else you know and uh he would he justified that a lot and i've written about that in ambivalence then too but uh, he, um, you know, he would just say, justify that it was keeping, as Zen students, we needed to be off balance, you know, and he he would move us around a lot. He moved things around at ZCNY a lot. He was a brilliant teacher. Yeah. But, um, but he was very, very impatient and restless in yeah. his mind. Yeah. Were you involved with his bakery? Uh, they were just starting to go. Well, it was starting up when I was there. And um, 
the I yeah I knew the guys who were the first bakers, and um, there were these big arguments. We had arguments because he would insist on putting during Teshin, uh He would leave the sweets around the. He felt we you know they were they would be sitting out for us to eat if well even we could pick them up while we were doing Kinin. And so we, a lot of us got very upset about that. We thought, but he said, it's good for you to have the discipline. But, you know, you're in Sashin and you can go and grab a donut. You're going to grab it. And um, anyway, that was that was already part of Glassman's, um, the restlessness about him. Mm. And as soon as I met, I, I had, um, I had promised myself, um, I had heard about Judo, uh, that there was this crazy monk who was living in Israel, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, I had, I was working on the book called, on neurosurgery called Brain Surgeon. Hmm. And I promised myself that when I finished that book, I was going to go and meet him and meet him. I had lived in Israel myself oh. when I was younger. Oh. But, um, uh, yeah, I lived on a kibbutz. Oh, wonderful! But, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, but I, uh, I had promised myself that I was going to go and meet Judo uh, after the um, I finished my book, and that's what I did. And uh, I met him in Jerusalem, and then uh, about you know three months after I left Jerusalem, he showed up in New York. Hmm. Uh, so there's that's part of the lotteries that I'm talking about that I won, you know. Yeah, how did you know he showed up in New York? Well, he was he was brought to New York by a woman named Pearl Epstein. Does that name mean anything to you? Mm, no. Uh, but she uh, I might have at was, one point. <laughs> I just forget. Well, you know? She lived in uh, in Soho, which was I lived near Soho, and she was actually of the woman I told you, my first wife. She was oh. a friend of hers. Yeah, and oh, um, yeah, and so this woman had spent more time, a lot more time in Israel than I did, and had gotten to know him there, and she kind of sponsored him coming to New York. So there was a connection between us because of my wife knowing her and everything. So, but mm. then he, I had just met him in Israel twice. I had been to sit at his window up in Jerusalem. And when he came to New York, he acted as if we had known each other for 20 years. So anyway, it was just uh and, you know, and he set up the new Zendo, the Soho Zendo. Uh, it was like a 15-minute walk from my apartment in New York. So um, I was involved with it from the first day until the last. Is that right? My. Yeah. And, and what was the schedule of his sitting? Uh, well, it was a very uh, easy schedule. I mean, we... we, we he, in terms, you just, we, we only, we sat for uh, five nights a week for on the one night he gave a Dharma talk 
uh, we sat, we never, he didn't believe in sittings longer than 30 minutes. That's so interesting. Hmm. Yeah. And, um, he, um, he was, you know, and we, we had sessions, uh, once a week, once a month we had sessions Hmm. and, um, and we, you know, there we would go into the, into the loft in New York, we'd say for a week, but we didn't have any sittings in the summer. You know, he was, and he was incredibly funny, riotous uh, in his K-shows. You said you didn't have any sittings in the summer. You mean Sashin? Yeah, we, we didn't, we didn't have any, we, we, he, he sort of closed, closes and they'll, of course, in the early days, he went back to the Japan. For, in the uh, summer? In the summer. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but. I mean, it's, it's that's, long, that's, you know, if I'd want to go back to Japan in the spring or the fall. <laughs> well, he, 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 he was very, uh, you know, cognizant of, of our schedule. Yeah. When, when people. We're going to be there. So, and he went, he went, um, you know, he didn't go regularly to Japan, uh, but, you know, he, he, um, he loved to hang around New York. He loved to walk, the, just walk the streets in New York, you know. Mm. What would he wear? When he, when he, when he, when he became uh, the, the abbot, when they, you know, uh, Rio Takaji. You know, he said to me as he as the day before he left, he said, "Now I pay for my laziness." <laughs> when he yeah. walked the streets of New York, what 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 sort of what would he wear? Well, he was, you know, he he just liked to disappear into the. He looked like an American. He had a LL Bean jacket. He had a Met. A Yankee or a Yankee cap that he wore, and um, he never walked around in his robes or anything. Yeah, yeah. As mm. Edo did, by the way. Yeah. So Edo just want, Edo wanted to disappear, wanted to be an American. Uh, uh, he didn't care. Hmm. Uh, um, anyway, he was a uh, you know the 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 most eccentric person that you could ima uh, ever imagine meeting Kudo. I, I get that impression from, well, ambivalent Zen and from four men shaking. Uh, and uh, I really uh, like that about four men shaking is that there was um, so, so much good material on uh, Kudo because He's not very well known. He's only known through you. Uh, That's right. It's a, it's a shame, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's a real shame. We we have all of his shows. We we have them recorded and everything, and they we've thought of doing something with them, but our Zendo sort of, you know, dispersed it, and the whole thing. We lost the focus of doing that. But um, where are the know, where are the tapes? We have they're uh, they're on uh, you know they're on cassettes. 
Good I Lord. Let's talk yeah. about that later. You should, you should, you know, I can suggest what could be done with them. Well, we've thought about it a lot, and we've, you know, there are people who will have, have involved or have already volunteered, me being one of them, to transcribe them. Well, you um, should digitize them first. We've got them digitized. They oh, are, you've got them digitized. Yeah. You haven't backed up well. Yeah. You haven't backed yeah. up. Yeah. So I, I, we've sort of lost the momentum to do it. We were determined to do something with them, but we just lost the momentum, you know? How many tapes do you, or how many, uh, it's not tape anymore, how many uh, lectures do you have? I don't know, to tell you the truth, but I would bet at least 30. Oh, is that all? Yeah. Oh. I, I'm, but this is a wild guess, David. I, I really don't know. I'd have to look. Um, you know, it's been a there. There, um, I've got them on on my phone here. You know, my goodness. And I, uh, I used to listen to them. I'd go whenever I, I, you know, I still can listen to them when I'm walking here at the, by you know, on the Cape, or when I go go to the gym. When I'd be on the treadmill, I'd listen to his his K shows. Well, I'll put them all online if you want. Well, I'd have to, we could, let's, let me look into, let me look into this, uh, to the technology myself. Yeah. And back it up. I could, yeah. I don't know um, how other people would feel about that, you know, but I, um, or how I would love for them to be there. Yeah. Myself. Yeah. I, I'd like them, I'd like people to know who he was. Yeah. Um, well, uh, just it seems to me it would be rather simple for for them to be available, um, and they should be transcribed too. I mean, it's just thirty. Good lord, or whatever. Yeah. I'm, it, yeah. It's uh, well, yeah. I, Some people we have hundreds I, and hundreds, and it's. Um, but anyway. Oh, well, well, we can uh, deal with that on email. That's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, let's think about that. That's a good idea. I yeah. love the idea. And uh, you should include uh, who, who's in charge. <laughs> well, uh, that's the point. That I mean, that was the problem that you know the Zendo just sort of dispersed. It sort of fell apart. We have we don't talk. We don't. You know, we've all lost touch with each other. Well. So. Uh, is there any? Uh, are there any people you'd you'd want to uh, get uh, approval from? So it's sort of like a consensus uh, decision. I'd have to do that. Yeah, I certainly could. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a couple of people that we would have to get in touch with. Yeah, there was the one, the main person where it was a Japanese woman. And I don't know what happened to her. If I, she was living in New York, studying painting, but I think she went back to Japan. Hey, I don't know. You know, we've all lost touch with each other. Yeah. Um, uh, tell what uh, you know. What I remember about her is she ne never talked about herself. Uh, 
You didn't know anything about her. And you were in the car with Edo, you, uh, not Edo, with Kudo. Uh, you just picked him up at the airport. Do you remember? You know what I'm talking of about? Of course I remember. Yeah, tell I that. Remember. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, uh, he, we, helped, we, we didn't have that much of a connection with each other. But we were we were stuck in traffic coming back from picking him up at the airport, and, uh, and there, she and I were in the back seat. Uh, there, then a guy picked him up in an S, in his SUV. Kudo was in the front seat, and um, she started telling me about her life. It was the first time she had ever really talked to me about any with anything with anything personal. And uh, after, you know, she was talking and telling me about how she came to New York and everything. And then suddenly Kudo turned around and fired off this, a a lot of, just a volley of angry Japanese at her. And I said, what's wrong? I said, is he angry at you? And she said, yes, he's very angry. And uh, she said, I said, why? And she said, he said, I'm losing all my energy to memory. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And that was him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So uh, she she's the one that would have to get, uh, you know, we'd have to get her approval on anything we do, I think. Um, but I and I know people who could probably find her. Yeah. Um, hmm. Anyway, right. it's a, it's an amazing story, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's good. It's good. Yeah. Um, I I feel that way. Um, I feel like um, uh, you know, I, I'm sort of an archivist, you know, and we have this giant, giant archive of not just Suzuki and Zinsner, but just the whole milieu and everything, but. Uh, I I see it like riding on a leaf and throwing it in a creek and watching it go down. It's nothing's going to last, and it's I see it as a way for to say hello, that we're just saying uh, hello yeah. to each other. Uh, also, yeah. I like it to be free. I don't like to charge. I... Uh, but... What do you mean to be free? I don't like, I don't like for people to have to pay to oh yeah to uh, access any of this. You know, it's a problem for Zen groups in America and Japan. They have this whole support system that is developed over the millennia, right? And in America, yeah. you start some Zen center, it doesn't have that. They've got to figure out how to pay for things. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, well, eight, that was one thing about Kudo is that he certainly didn't have any kind of ambition mm-hmm. in that regard. You know, to have another, and you know, we had our little, we had a loft, and that was all he wanted. He didn't want any expansion. You know, yeah, he didn't have that mentality. Yeah, very impressive. Very impressive. Um, yeah. And you know, uh, Ryu Takichi is very near Rinso In Suzuki Junior Suzuki's temple, and uh, I I've been there 
and around there so many times, and I never went to Ryu Takashi. And I had met Soen and Edo and spent some time with them. And I know people who've lived there. And I, uh, I think, uh, I think Suzuki, when he was young, his teacher sent him there to, uh, study with uh, Gempo, the very famous uh, teacher. Of- uh-huh. So, uh, sure, I know. I, I, I can't, uh, I'm not sure about that, but Suzuki talked about his teacher sending him s- somewhere, and there was an old guy in Yaizu who said that he'd studied with uh, Gempo, but Suzuki said he was very young and naive and didn't know what was happening. It wasn't... Uh, uh-huh. Uh, mm. anyway. How come you never went there, though? Ryu Takaji? Yeah. Uh, I, I should have. Uh, you know, because I'd be staying at, at Rinsoin and doing stuff with the Suzuki family, and uh, I wasn't really hanging out. I would either be there interviewing people or I would be there for a couple of days uh, or, you know, I'd go help Hoitsu with something. But uh, when I lived in Japan, I lived way over on uh, Okayama, which is, uh, you know, between uh, Osaka and Hiroshima. It's good distance away. So uh-huh. anyway, um, I just never did it. Next time. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty interesting place. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. It uh, has so it's very very intense with uh, amazing energy in the sashins. Um, yeah, but I I didn't go there. I only went there after Kudo became abbot. I didn't go back after he died. Um, um, I think some of the guys from our zendo. Uh, did go back after he died. You went there while he was abbot? Yeah. Oh, tell me about that. Well, uh, you know, it was natural that uh, once he became, once he left the New York and he's taking, you know, he's, a, he's just located in Japan. It was natural that we were, it was a natural way to go and do Sashin with him again. You know, um, and it, it it was uh, it was it was hard. It was a hard, uh, you know, because you'd be dealing with the jet lag at the same time you were dealing with whatever was going on in Sashin. Yeah, and um, um, it was. Uh, I had a hard time with those Sashins. They were they were they were difficult. Um, and um, you know, and then I went back. One time I went back and lived there for a month mm. uh, after while he was abbot, mm. and uh, th- that was a, a well. It was a wonderful time. Uh, there were there were only seven monks there at that time, mm-hmm. and um, so uh, <coughs> they 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 needed all the help they could get. Um, anyway, it was a wonderful time because I I had a lot of access to Kudo. At that time, as much as I wanted. What um, year did he die? Oh, God. 
hard to I'd have hard to put it together. Was it in the eighties or in the nineties? I think it was in the nineties, the early nineties. Ah, well, that means but, he was there when I was living in Japan. So that that gives me something else to regret. <laughs> uh, well, you can't have too much of that, David. You know. <laughs> yeah. uh, but anyway, I'm pretty sure it was that he was there in the '90s. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, it was it was, and but he always he spoiled me when I came. He would make make sure that I had the best room in the monastery. So at uh, this point, um, Larry asked me something. Uh, and we got uh, sidetracked talking about Bali and other things that, um, you know, I've repeated so much in other podcasts. I thought, oh, I'll cut that out. Then I uh, started talking about walking around, how I walk a lot here and this and that. And then we went into... It's good for me to walk. I not only like to walk, I need to walk. Well, me too. Yeah. Me too. I'm more and more. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I, I sent the, uh, I talked to Ellen Twortalk today. She sends her regards to you. Oh, I love her. She's so great. Yeah. She, yeah. 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 I, I, I met her back when she was working on, uh, the book on on uh, American Zen teachers. Oh, right. Yeah. What's he called? Yeah. Zen in America? Uh, I think so. Zen in America. I think so. Yeah. I'll, I'll make sure. I can't have the wrong title. <laughs> I think yeah. that's it. I think it's that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, she was trying to get people to talk about Richard Baker. And when I next time I saw her, Years later, I apologized. Oh, I wasn't very helpful. She said, you were more helpful than anybody else. <laughs> uh, she was too soon. Uh, yeah. anyway, incidentally, he and I are close. I'm in touch with him uh, a lot. You uh, know, I, I, had, um, I had some wonderful evening with him one time when he was coming through New York. And we had dinner together, but I've not seen him since then. Is um, that right? Yeah. Um, if you get a chance, you could please give, say hello for me. Will you? Oh, I'll do it today. Yeah. Yeah. I. I. He. Um, yeah. He had. Uh, he, he had the dinner. We we had dinner together. At one time, he had dinner with me and uh, uh, with Shinge Roshi. He wanted uh, to see her. And I, we went after Sashin, but so I've seen him twice. I knew him. I know him from uh, Creststone. Oh, what do you mean? You've been yeah. to Creststone? I sure have, because remember I told you about my wife being a Tibetan student. Yeah, she's a student of Zigar Contro Rinpoche, who who's, has his place out there. And so I went to Creststone, and then I went, you know, went up to the Zendo naturally to sit up there huh. and, um, um who was the yeah who was his successor there who he had the there's, 
There's different ones. It depends on what, uh, there's, there's, uh, Christian, uh, well, Christian, I know. And, and I knew the other guy, but I can't remember. Dan Welsh. Yeah. Dan. Yeah. I knew Dan. Yeah. Um, so where do you have any connection to Dan now? Oh yeah. I, I was just, I just had email with him this week. Although Dan left. Uh, he had a falling out. I know he did. Uh, yeah. Uh, but and he's, um, he's fine. Richard's fine. Those things happen. That's normal in uh, communities and groups. Uh, Christian Christian really needed to be more free, and uh, he's he's uh, running the Boulder, he's up in Boulder. House Yeah. Now. Yeah, I know. The, I knew all those guys, but but where is Dan now? He's in Santa Fe. Oh, is he Hebazendo? No. Well, please tell him hello for me, too, if yeah. you can't get a chance. Yeah. To, um, but Dan, yeah, Dan's thriving. He's 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 got a mate, and uh, he's got many good friends there. He's lived a lot there, and uh, he's well-known for his pizzas. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. He makes really great gourmet pizzas. In fact, we traded pizza pictures recently because my <laughs> wife makes the most incredible pizzas. Uh, she uses pita bread uh, for the crust and then leftovers. You know, they're not like oh, yeah. pizzas you get at Domino's or anything. Uh, pita bread, leftovers, and cheese. Sometimes she uses vegan cheese, or she'll use feta, or she'll use mozzarella, or she'll use sharp yeah. cheddar. We we can get we can get anything here, pretty much. Uh, well, because there's so many and, expats, uh, you know. Uh, uh huh. And uh, but anyway, Dan's uh, Dan's pizzas. So, Maybe I should put Dan, them online. He sent me a bunch yeah, does, of pictures. Does Dan have any sitting group he sits with, or no, no, is no. He, he doesn't practice. He's a uh, no, I wouldn't say he doesn't practice. He's just not a. Uh, he's a Ronin. Uh huh. You know. Uh, yeah. He's. Um. You know, I I think he's comfortable with his friends and everything, and and his uh his own personal practice. Um, but you know, I haven't really asked him that. Because Dan doesn't talk about himself. Uh, uh-huh. So if he had some people he was sitting with, I wouldn't necessarily know it. Uh-huh. Uh, but I bet not. Uh, well, we please tell him hello. I mean, I, I haven't seen him in years since, since I will. he was at Crestone, you know? I will. Yeah. I will. Um, yeah. You know, I... You know, I, I was a Zen Center company man, I said, for 10 years, five with Suzuki and five with Baker. And then I started living with a woman. My wife and I broke up. She stayed at the Zen Center, and and uh, uh, I was living nearby up in Bolinas with a woman. And people would say, would ask me if I'd stop practicing <laughs> 
and I would hold, uh, you know. But actually, I kept an involvement with Zen Center. I did a lot of stuff for them through the years, various things. Uh, but um, uh, and here where I live now, I sit every morning, but I don't want to be in a group, you know. I could. I mean, I like groups. I like communal living. Uh, if it was right, I could do it. But um, um, and my wife sits, and we don't even sit together. You know, you do not, huh? No, no. We get up at huh? different times. We have no schedule. We just get up when we get up. I tend to get up earlier, but not always. Uh huh. You know, it sounds like a pretty good life out there for you, though. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good, it's good. Uh, nice people, I love the people here. They're very pleasant. We live in the city, but um, yeah, it's a problem. Oh, it's terrible what they do here. They just, they just, you know, any vacant space is an opportunity to build another building. Even if um, there's other buildings that have been torn down near it, yeah, and it's got too much trash, and there's all sorts of problems. But uh, we uh, like, I like the people. Well, uh, you can't go. You got to go further than that to get away from samsara. <laughs> yeah, and we and we uh, live by a nice beach. Yeah. Oh, you do. Yeah. Yeah, I can go oh. swimming there any day of the year. It's and got a big tide. Uh, it's got a big uh, reef, so it's like it's not like big waves coming in and stuff. It's, oh, that's yeah. That's what. Well, you're lucky there. Yeah, and and uh, you know, there's a lot of hotels and restaurants and things there, but it's it's never too busy. It's, even now, with the tourists are back, I'll go down there and. I'll just see five people on the beach or something. <laughs> That's several wow. hundred yards. Uh, but wow. usually there's a little more than that. And there are a lot of local people. So, sometimes the local people, you know, they, they come like toward the end of the day. And, uh, uh, and if, they use it differently, you know. Actually, most people course, don't swim. Yeah. Very, very few people swim. People, uh, local people and tourists, they tend to just go into the water and stand there or sit or something. I know. Yeah, it's the same. The same here with beach living. Well, over here, the beaches are compromised because there's shark activity here now. We, we, there's a lot of seals that are come south, you know, because of the water, the water's warming up. Oh. So that's the sharks that follow the seals. Right. So, right. Yeah, a lot of people are, it's, uh, it, there's it been very few attacks, but just enough to get people uh, scared, you know? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Shark attacks are rare. Uh, but, uh, if there's sharks around, like in California, too, can make you a little nervous while you're swimming. Yeah. I I know of no shark story. I never hear any shark story here. 
Australia, oh, my no. God, man. In Australia, yeah. Yeah, uh, and here, too, there have been a few. It just takes a couple yeah. for, for uh, to change the whole atmosphere. Right, right. Or a yeah. movie, a movie. I mean. That's true. <laughs> Jaws yeah. ruined yeah. The, going to the beach for millions of people. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. Well, um, let's see. Um, you know, uh, um, you. I, I wanted to. I wanted you to list the books you've written. Oh, um, well, I wrote. I I started off the first novel that I talked about was called One on One. Yeah. And then I wrote the book on neurosurgery called Brain Surgeon. Right. And uh, the book that it grew out of was a novel called Memories of Amnesia. So that came out later, which, right? Yeah, well, I was working on it before I started the neurosurgery research, but that, it, the, the novel led me to it. And then... Um, you talk about the amnesia, Memories of Amnesia, that's a great name. Uh, you, you talk about that in... Um, uh, four men shaking, and yeah, uh, uh, you spent a lot of time. It, it was very impressive that would have taken enormous patience with someone who basically didn't communicate with you. Isn't that true? Oh, you mean on the with the, with doing the the memories of amnesia? Yeah. Or was that neurosurgery? No, that was the neurosurgeon. The, the, the neurosurgery book uh, was called Brain Surgeon. That was just not, that was nonfiction. Right. And But that that grew out of research that I was doing on the novel, Memories of Amnesia. What, do you remember this person? You said nobody wanted to do a study of this person because it's so boring. Uh you talk about him in the book, going there and sitting with him, and and he played cards. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that was a, a an amazing person. He he was a uh, had been a head of the sociology department uh, at Colgate University, and he got encephalitis, so he had a serious brain dysfunction. But all he wanted to do all day was play solitaire. And I'll tell you who else played solitaire a lot was Norman Mailer. Um, um, that's, but, that's right. And I noticed that yeah. because you said Mailer started off the day with an hour of solitaire. And he called yeah, he it loved, combing his brain. Right. I like I play solitaire, too. I, I do, too. It's a great Zen practice. Yeah. But... Um, when I open my computer, the first thing I do is play a game of Spider Two. Really? Yeah. Did you ever? Did you read the uh, essay that I did on that that guy who played solitaire? The it's uh, it's called the the uh, the professor. No, I just read about him in your book. Oh, I'd, I'll, I'd like to send you that. Uh, I'll send you that essay on him. Yeah, yeah, do. Uh, he was he was an amazing guy, and uh, 
it was he was a, an amazing experience for me just to be in his presence. But I'll send you this. Um, I'll send it to you. Mm, do do. So okay. what? What do you play? The, what what type of solitaire do you play? I just I, I just play the regular. Um, what do you call it? Um, Klondike. I, yeah, Klondike. Yeah. Uh, do you yeah, play with I, cards? I play on my computer. Right. I play on a computer, definitely. And it, I think it's supposed, it's a completely purifying thing to do. That's right. You know, it's it's just a, it, and, he, and that's why this guy who did it was using, uh, you know, he was combing his brain in the same way. Of course, his brain was torturing him. Well, you know? he had no memory. He had no memory, but he was completely dysfunctional, and he wasn't comfortable about being his dysfunction. You know, oh. except when he except when he played solitaire. Mm. Yeah, I'd like to. I, I, you might be interested in this. Just who he was. He was an amazing character. Mm. And when you know, like I said, when I was. When I was looking for research to do research on my novel, they let me talk to him because nobody else wanted to talk to him. Wow! Wow! He was so boring, you know, just be in his presence. Hey, I have a question. Are you talking on a mic? No. Because all all of a sudden, your 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 s's are your s'ing really strong. No, I'm. I've got the phone. I'm just talking on my phone. Uh, uh but maybe don't put it right in front of your mouth. Yeah, maybe you, that's it. Yeah, yeah. You just started. It's um, essing. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you wanted me to take the rest of my books after uh, Memories of Amnesia came out. Yeah. Um, then I did the um, Ambivalent Zen. Yeah. And then I did a book on nose picking called Crust. Horrors. Horrors? I said horrors. And you said yep. you said your wife just uh, uh what did you say your wife's attitude toward it was? Yeah, it was almost ended on my marriage. She couldn't stand me even thinking about it, but you know, much less writing about it. She yeah, that's the way I am. I go, oh, oh, I don't even want to think about that. You know, I got, I had a review of that book. It came out in in England, and they said that I had written the great American nose picking novel. Oh my god, that is so. <laughs> that is it's so a, it's a, amazing. Yeah, and uh, that was the book I was working on when when. I knew Mailer, uh huh, and Mailer loved it. Oh my God, Uh, he loved it. Uh. He thought he just thought that it should be much, much longer. It's it's a fairly short novel, but Mailer thought it could be seven hundred page pages. My God, Uh, yeah, that's but that is something. It's Uh, a great subject. Oh. Yeah. Well, but anyway, and then after that, 
Well, after that was four men shaking. Ah, and you've That's done it. a lot of uh, a lot of uh, articles. Yeah, I, do, I have done a lot. I worked for the Times Magazine for a while, and I've I, you know I that was my main uh, that was the main articles that I did working for them. Yeah, and and um, you know I. Um, I would like, I'm hoping now uh, to get those articles published if I can. I might have to do that individually, independently, you know. But I have a, I have a bunch of articles that I would get. Maybe the Times could help you. Well, I, uh, they're not the kind of people that will want to do that, I don't think. But I wish I, I would. You know, I don't, I don't see them doing that for me. So, goodness. Well, uh, is there, is there anything we haven't touched on here that you wanted to I, mention? I, uh, no, I think not. I think it's just, uh, it really, uh, you know, I, I, I was given an incredible uh, gift to be able to note. But to know those three men and the four men shaking, yeah, and I do think I do think it's true that each of them was shaking in their own way because they were, uh, you know, each of them was a practitioner in their own way, and they were both, uh, you know, uh, they were real, you know, they were. It was just a great privilege to know them. I was incredibly lucky. Yeah. 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 Thank you for your interest. Yeah. Thank you for your interest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. Uh, And uh, yeah, it was really, uh, it was really interesting to learn, just accidentally learned in this conversation that that you had spent some time with Richard Baker and that you'd sat at Creststone and that you knew Dan Welsh and you knew Chris yeah. Chris Mello. Uh, yeah. And and Sophie, you know Sophie, his wife? No, I didn't meet her, but I've uh, I've he talked about her, so I've never met Yeah. I know she, I knew Christian. She's and, an uh, artist. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, he's great. And and listen, this place, the Zindo, it used to be a bed and breakfast. I've stayed there. It's right across the street from Naropa. And uh, uh, it's really nice. It's really nice. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would I would certainly like to pay them a visit because see my old editor there, you know, and uh, I know he's there. What's your editor and mine? Matt Zeppelin. Kambala. Matt, yeah, Matt Zeppelin. Yeah, and he's a yeah. student of Richard Beggar's. I know, I know he is. Well, say hello to him too for me, will you? Yeah, if yeah. you to all all of them. Yeah, but Baker. Uh, yeah, how, uh, yeah. I, I I really I'd love to see those guys again. He, Baker um, and you are pretty close. He might be a year younger than you, uh, uh, but he's doing good. He's doing good. Is he? Yeah. Uh, uh, he's yeah. <laughs> uh, he's very impressive. Um, yeah. 
And I, I enjoy relating with, to him. I enjoy being in his places. I love being in Germany. I've I've spent time there. Crestone sort of scares me. I don't want to be there in the winter. I don't want to get, it gets too icy and fall down. He broke his arm there a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah, it could be dangerous, but yeah. it's so beautiful there. It's really beautiful. It really is, uh, yeah. 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 And it's, it's got to be one of the most beautiful Zendos in the world. Yeah. Uh, wow. And the one in Germany, you know, he really believes in a good infrastructure. And uh, he has he's done the same thing with his German group uh, and Crestone uh, that he did with um, – uh, Zen Center is he pushes it beyond what anybody thinks it can go. Please say hello to Richard for me, will you? I will. This has been fun. I really enjoyed talking with you. Well, it's great to talk to you. Well, take care. Take care of yourself. Anyway, be in touch with me if you need me, and let me, let me know when you put this up, will you? Yeah, I will. I will. Oh, oh, I need a picture of you. I can get it on the um, online, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, there's pictures of you uh, on the Internet. I'm pretty sure there is, yeah. Uh, um, you got any picture of you, you younger? Yeah, but I, um, I was never younger. <laughs> well. Can't you tell? We put. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. We. We use a we use a photograph of relatively recent, you know, sometime in the last twenty years. Say, I'll uh, get you one. i with send the it podcast, to you. but then on on my main website, cuke dot com, on the podcast page, which it isn't really the home for the podcast. Uh, we have a, a now and then pictures, you know, like uh-huh. we have the 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 more recent one, and then we'll have one like, you know, from the 70s or 60s. Oh, I'll get you. I'll get you both. Yeah. I'll send them to you. Oh, good. Good. All right. right. Okay. Okay. Thanks so much. Okay. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Take care. Yeah. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot, Larry. That was great. Um, Yeah. Second time around. Uh and I wonder, I wonder what we lost in the first one. <laughs> anyway, that was really, really good. Appreciate it. So, uh, listen, Gooksters uh, and those who've uh, tuned in, one thing uh, I, I wanted to uh, do now was to uh, acknowledge our sponsor, which is you, because with your support, and the support I get from people who follow Cuke.com, uh, ShunyuSuzuki.com, our posts on the blog, and Cuke Archives, What's New Blog, and the uh, Instagram, and uh, people uh, who are aware of the work that's been going on for 30 years and continues to work with Shunyu Suzuki lectures and the uh, oral written history of that whole the phenomena of what happened when Junior Suzuki came to America 
what was already happening, what has happened as a result, uh, not only of him, but of us. And I don't know, it didn't seem to have any, <laughs> any place where it ends, but I try to keep it focused <laughs> somewhat. Anyway, for that to keep going, I must thank you for your support, which, um, if you haven't done so, I would encourage you to consider it <laughs> and go to cuke.com, C-U-K-E.com, hit the donate button, and uh, from there you can either send a uh, contribution through PayPal or a check in the mail. And um, they're tax deductible. Uh, it's all explained on that page. So uh, thanks a lot. Take care. And uh, until next time, I'm DC. Booba of Duke Audio and Duke Archives coming to you from Sleepy Senor with Doggy Bandita, Feline Cuchita, and Dear Lovely Kadrinka. And we're wishing you and yours and all of us a grand awakening. <laughs>